You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversations and we try not to judge. Uh, today we have our first ever interview episode. This is something we've been talking about doing for a little while. And now we decided to give it a swing. Our first guest here is going to be Joey Svensson. You may know him from Bad Christian Podcasts and his other endeavors, such as Pastor with No Answers. I did an interview with him. Brian was not available to make it, just schedule-wise. So this is me and Joey. All right. I got Joey Svensson at long last. Dang, you pronounced that well, man. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a quarter Norwegian, so I got some Scandinavian in me. Nice. Yeah. I wish I was a quarter. I think I'm probably more like an eighth. Uh, but I tell I just tell people I'm Norwegian. <laughs> well, the conversation's <laughs> over. I'm not feeling it. Man, I got to tell you just off the bat, I know it's it's not too applicable, but uh Pastor with No Answers has become one of my favorite podcasts. I got Oh, nice. I, it sounds, you know, that sounds like I'm I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but I started listening to Bad Christian, and then Pastor with No Answers. I, I honestly, man, I feel like it's a lot more raw, a lot more real, a lot more open minded, and okay. and it's it's one of my favorites. Sweet, well, I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely. I think the I think the rawness is for sure due to the fact that I don't really have to try to get down a certain kind of product i mean if i mm. if i had to work really hard on making it a certain something then i i wouldn't do it because i just don't have time to do right. it like i literally sit down with someone over over the internet or in person <laughs> talk yeah. and then i send the files to my brother and we're done <laughs> <laughs> so it is not it. a time consumer at all yes there you go well thanks for doing this dude thank you yeah yeah, yeah. for sure you're uh to me, you're you're uh, you're an idol, not you know you're you're a graven image is what I should say. You're all you're right. A, you're a <laughs> well due due to due to your sin, I'm going to go to hell now because I'm <laughs> well. Yeah, that's on me. So <laughs> wouldn't that suck fault. if that if that was the reality? If like if was. somebody made you an idol, you paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in heaven, uh, like God. I didn't, I didn't want him to do that. That's yeah. not my fault. <laughs> oh, I was born a golden calf. Oh fuck, I'm going to hell. Right. Oh no. Right. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So what's good, man? How you doing? How you doing? Let's do the little the pregame thing. Yeah, pretty good, man. Just uh, July the fourth is all up, and that was fun spending time with the fam. Yes, My sir. wife's favorite holiday is July the fourth. Like, oh really? Not even joking. Her yeah, that favorite. is her absolute favorite. Wow. Uh, the fireworks are like Christmas presents, and so I always have to gear up to be social and be on the go and be out right. in the sun and all that sort yes. of thing. But yesterday turned out really awesome because she was super motivated to. Uh, get some things done in the house, so we stayed indoors for a while, and then okay. we grilled out, and then we went out to see fireworks when the sun had already gone down. So Ooh, it was that, literally, yeah. yeah, literally one of the more perfect July the Fourths since we've been married. It was awesome. Uh, that's the best. That's awesome. Yeah, man, and no kidney stones all week, so we're good. Whoa, yeah, that's a big one. That's, <laughs> that's a game changer right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Man, yeah, I, I I heard your uh, your interview with Stephen. That was a crazy a, interview. Yeah, y'all had a good conversation, and and it was well balanced. Yeah, and I feel like both of y'all voiced your opinions, 
and your perspectives just like where you're at and yeah. so yeah I, I thought it was great yeah yeah I, I really liked him a lot man I just was like golly I cannot it's it's just so amazing how how far away and diverse pe- yes. we all are from one another even yes. like within the christian faith because exactly I'm, yeah i mean he, he even considers himself a christian which yes at some at some point and it's certainly not mine to decide but at some point at, like we we are not a christian due to our beliefs but i really really liked the fact that i mean it sounds like he is a hopeful christian which seems yes. like maybe we any Christian is a hopeful Christian. We yeah. can't prove Jesus' no. existence. So no. it's not like he says... I never met the guy. You know? Right. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's not like he says, I, there's no way that God created everything. There's no way that he exists or anything. It's just like, right. I yeah. just don't see any evidence, but I sure hope that's the case. And then yes. it's like, in yeah. the meantime, let's love our neighbor. And it yes. seems like that's what we're being asked to do just in general yeah. anyway. You know, Matthew 25, that's what, it's what it's all about, you know? like Yeah. You didn't recognize me, but you fed me, but right. you clothed me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I definitely didn't know there were other types of satanic worship. That one was like, oh, oh right. my gosh. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. I was certainly mm-hmm. expecting something like that because there's just, there's no way that someone who wants to love their neighbor also worship satan and wants to like kill their neighbor so i knew there was something yeah. to that. <laughs> the the satanists who actually like worship belzebub are right. few and far in between it, it's yeah. more of a statement it's like a social yeah. kind of a uh, it's ironic i think yep. most of the time yep yeah 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 so man yeah thank you i i gotta say it again thank you so much for doing this um yep. You you initiated me into the kind of uh, post Christian deconstructionist uh, podcasting uh, realm, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. just to give you some background on myself, um, and so to, to to me and and to many other people, you, you're uh, you're an important figurehead. You're yeah. yeah. That's weird. That's weird to think, man. Honestly, like sometimes I have to slow down and really, uh, or I. I don't have to, but sometimes I do slow down and think, oh, yeah, like there's people that like me and learn from me. And it's right. weird. Even yeah. even even in the local level, like being a pastor of a church of, yeah. you know, I, I would imagine there's a good 500 people that would call uh, this church their their home church. And right. I always forget, you know, when people see me in public no matter how real I get with folks and no matter how down to earth I try to be, there are folks that are like, Ooh, there's the pastor and they act a little different. And then I have to slow down and be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's how, that's how people function and stuff. But I, I, I would say that I'm thankful that I'm not consumed by that. And I, um, you know, I'm not saying that it's, you know, I think, I think ambition can be a dangerous thing, and I'm not I'm not saying that I uh, don't ever fall into the dangerous side of that, but I would say it's probably a good sign that I have to kind of remind myself, oh, yeah, yep. people yep. listen to me. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. So I'll, I'll start it off a little bit easy here. Yep. Um, what was What was your decision 
to transition from bad Christian into p- past with no answers? Was it like you trying to to speak your voice out a little bit more uh, audibly, or was yeah. it you, or was it like something that they weren't trying to do at, at, at the same time as you? Yeah, I think that it it definitely wasn't trying to get a more significant voice, just because we already had the uh, you know we already had a sizable audience with bad christian yeah. and i knew that mm-hmm. my listenership with bad uh pastor with no answers wouldn't even pale in comparison i think it was mainly a drive initially to do something with my brother uh and yeah. also yeah. to create a podcast that kind of was geared towards one subject matter for a whole episode and really dissecting it because okay yeah, that's mm-hmm. not really our aim with bad christian like yeah. we don't more want focused to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I would say, bad Christian. Uh, unless Toby gets super pissed off about a subject, <laughs> or we have like Which major disagree, yeah, <laughs> or major disagreements. You know, we're only going to stick stick with a certain subject area for yes. twenty five minutes, and then it's moving right. on. And I, yeah. you know, I, I tend to want to talk about spiritual things more often. Yeah. You know, they, they tease me for always wanting to bring it back to God and church and yeah. all that stuff. And it's just because yeah. that's the kind of stuff that consumes me. I would say that in sports. So um, if if I thought that I could do a good sports podcast, I'd probably do that too. But then <laughs> I really am only into basketball and football. So okay, I would okay. I would be pigeonholed myself a little bit. So yeah, it was mainly to... It's, it's funny because I've been in ministry for so long and I feel like Bad Christian was a really awesome outlet for that because yes, yes. given that I don't pastor my own church per se, like I am in a multi-site sort of right, church yeah. where there's a lead pastor and everything, I don't have a complete open door to say whatever is on my mind and to do things exactly how I want to do things. So yeah. Bad Christian was an outlet for that. And then I feel like Pastor With No Answers is an outlet from Bad Christian. <laughs> so how much of your congregation that you're like intimately familiar with, how much of them are familiar with uh, Bad Christian or, or, or Pastor With No Answers? Um. My, I mean, I can only guess because I do think there's a lot of people that listen that I'm not aware of, but I would sure. guess maybe 30% have yeah. at least listened to one episode. Um, and, you know, I, I've had I've, I've had a mixed bag. I mean, there's a lot of people that Seacoast Church attracts that would already be down for this sort of podcast. And so when they yeah. find out about it, and they're like, mm-hmm. man, this is really cool. I mean, if I, I had yes. had an elder of our church ask to be on Pastor with No Answers, and I was like, sure, that'd be that'd be a fun conversation. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, and then I had a guy that started going to our church very recently, and then through the small group that he was in, found out about the podcast, and then reached oh. out to me and said, and then then he said uh, he was like, man. I just, he said, I, I, I liked you when I first started coming to this church. He said, but I, I just got to tell you, man, I, I like you a hundred times even more yeah. just listening to your podcast. And that's obviously not always going to be the case, especially in the Southern Bible Belt where people are a little yep. more sensitive and conservative. Yep. And I have had those sorts of pushback as well. Um, sure. And I've sure. heard it through the grapevine that our senior pastor has had to defend us a little bit as well because he rubs shoulders with all, I mean, just yeah. all sorts of all sorts of big big guys. So yeah, that'll uh, happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
What denomination is it, are you with right now? With as oh, gotcha. As right now, um, it's a non-denominational church. It's okay. So yep. So yeah, it's pretty broad. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've heard that uh, you know I've talked to our senior pastor here, and there's a church in uh, another mega church that we're pretty close to, and and he confirmed that they would never let me do a podcast like this. I know Toby worked at Mars Hill in Seattle and he yes, said the same sort Mars of thing. Hill. He's just like, no yeah. way they would let. So it really is pretty uncommon for a yeah. church like ours to allow me to do something like this. And I think yeah. that it's, it probably is less about the raw content and more about just churches are very territorial and they kind of want to defend and streamline their brand. And it's like if yes. they have someone on staff, they want them to be yeah. not only all in from an organizational standpoint, which I would consider myself to be, but also all in like exclusivity. You know, hey, you can only mm. focus and put all your heart into this. And mm. I think that's a pretty silly notion. And thank goodness, you know, Seacoast okay. isn't like that. Well. Going off that, how inclusivist would you, would you say you are? Like how, to what extent does the, the love of Christ uh, cross borders? Do you think it's, it's exclusively, if you, if you say this, the sinner's prayer, or do you, do you have to know the name of Jesus? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably about as liberal as they come, just shy of universalism which i do not close the door on now as a christian i i do believe that everyone you know goes to heaven through jesus and i don't know if that's penal substitution or if there's something else deeper and more mysterious that i don't yeah. fully grasp but i don't i don't see universalism necessarily from the standpoint of there being a bunch of different gods I just think sure, that there is yeah. a chance of there being yeah. one God that uh-huh. knows how to interact and reach the hearts of humanity okay. uh, through okay. different means. And, uh, you know, just, just a more, I mean, I think sometimes people write off progressive thinkers as folks that just don't want to bow to anything or, you know, just want to break all the rules, be cool and and turn down uh, conservative stuff, traditional stuff. And it's like, I I have a hard time even putting myself in a progressive box. I know that I am, but I don't feel progressive. Like I am very traditional. I have been studying my Bible since I was in elementary school. And I think it's because of all of that study and all of that time and, and hearing so many uh, different points of view. I think it's because of that I'm starting right. to realize, man, there's a lot that we just, we talk about like we know for sure but, what we're yeah. talking about, and we don't, man. Yes, yeah. And we yeah. don't know what we're talking about. It's like... If I can be honest, I feel like your your terminology is yeah. very Calvinist, is very 18th century, you know, 19, 19th century, but yeah. but your, your application of those terms is very progressive and very modern. Yeah, like, yeah I can see you, that. You're using words, you know, you're using terminology like sanctification and, you know, um, uh, atonement theory, things like yeah. that. But but the way that you apply those terms seems to be a very progressive and modern way to, to, to plug it in. Yeah. Is what, 
That I mean, that's me being honest. That, that's, yeah. That's kind of how it seems to me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So, so would you say, will you see Buddhists in heaven if there is a heaven? Uh, I mean, I, I guess the only way I could answer that question is I hope so. And okay. if if so, I think they will have that. Like, like here, here's what I would envision as far as a mm-hmm. Buddhist being in heaven is mm-hmm. they'll realize that when when they look into the eyes of Jesus, they'll realize that every good thing that they experienced, every part of their body that was able to benefit from their meditations and striving towards nirvana, and all of that actually goes back to Jesus and his love. And I think that they will just be completely captivated by the love of Jesus and realize, oh, wow, every good thing that I experienced was because of you, wasn't it? And I can see Jesus nodding his head. Yes, you got it. You got it. Could you, could you, in your mind, and I'm playing devil's advocate, but in your mind, could you substitute the term Jesus for the term love? Like, could could you, as a, let's say you were raised Buddhist, could yeah. you say, as a Buddhist, yeah, Christians will be in heaven if they look Buddha in the eye and they nod their head and say, yeah, this is what it's all about. Or does it have to be an absolute Christ? It, does it have to be Jesus, Yahushua of Nazareth? Right. That man. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I'll just go to my grave uh going through the lens of Jesus. I mean, that's just me. I mean, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. I, it's it's how I've been for 40 years. It is my framework, it is yeah. my lenses, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of how I see things and you sure. know, I, I guess I guess I can um uh, I would say there's there's a chance of of what you're saying, but I don't know. I think that what Jesus accomplished on earth and the impact that he made and just the plausibility of his resurrection for me is enough to say, okay, he is the defining uh, definition of life. He is the definer of, um, you know, what we need, what we're striving for, who who we're uh, yearning to be, what we're yearning for. I mean, I I actually believe that all of our yearnings, we're going to realize that what we were really yearning deep down inside was oneness with Jesus. And I think we'll, we'll experience that once and for all when we're in heaven. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So as I've been listening to bad Christian for, I'm going to say three years. Yeah. I started listening to Pastor No Answers whenever you, whenever you dropped it. Um, and I, I honestly, man, I, I've heard some shifts in your worldview. I've yeah. heard some, I've heard you transforming and coming to terms with things that maybe you weren't 100% comfortable with from the get go. Yeah. So, my question for you is um, what, first off, what is hell? And who is it for? Yeah. Yeah, you heard correctly, man. I have changed a lot. I read stuff. Yes. I, I read you stuff. You went that annihilationist. I yeah. You went, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read stuff that I just wrote two years ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've changed a lot just since then. Yeah, yes. I guess. I, and I, it's interesting because I'm reading a book uh, called Fantasyland, and uh, this 
the author, uh, in my opinion, is is very kind and very fair towards America and Christianity and, and all of that stuff, but definitely is not in any way a believer. And I found it su- like he gives a lot of different stats, and there are a lot of Christians, like people who have their faith in Jesus that do not believe in even a literal Satan. And w- why I say that is because it just opens my mind uh, to how narrow of a view I have always thought Christianity to be, not knowing that there's brothers and sisters in Christ who would say, oh, yeah, I don't think that's a real personal entity, yeah. you know, in Satan. I, and so, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I identify myself yeah. anyway. And so for me, I guess if I, if I had to bet money and I could bet money on it, my bet would yeah. be that uh, that no one... At the very least, no one burns and is tortured forever and ever. I would bet my money on that not being the case. And, you know, if it's more of an annihilationism sort of thing where people are destroyed once and for all, I just can't wrap my head around. um, And I I know this is a lot of my humanness and a lot of my emotions talking, but I I feel like there's a – it's okay to embrace that to some degree, given that of God course. gave me that stuff. It just yeah. doesn't make sense throughout all eternity for God to be okay with that. It seems like, yeah, if what that, we that's read an about asshole his God, book, man, that's an asshole God. I'm a, yeah, I don't, I'm not afraid to say that. That's right. That's a dick of a God. Right, right, and it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't line up. I mean, it no. just seems like. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned Calvinism and stuff, and it's just yeah. like once you start nailing down theology that's yep. so extreme, you have to start making really silly rules and say stupid Truth. things like we yep. should give God glory for the souls that are screaming in bloody terror and pain because that points to uh, the glory of our salvation. I'm just like, I just yeah. want to say F you. Like, I, yeah. I am not happy about me being this prized little kid that was picked and that I am favored more than other people on this earth. That does not make me happy. Like that makes me actually very sad. Like my, it's uh, unjust. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife shares how her, you know, she always had a a pretty strained relationship with her, with a, uh, a family member. And that family member told her one time that Mm. out of her and her sister, she was her favorite, and oh, wow. I think the 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 response that this person thought they were going to get was, "Oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel so good." My right. wife was pissed. Yeah, She's like, sure, "That does sure, not sure. make me feel good. No. I love my sister, yeah, and it really grieves me to think that she is second best in your eyes." That's a great, yeah, that's a great analogy. That's that's really good. So, okay, so if if, if God didn't pick favorites, then. Um, I'm gonna. If I'm wrong, correct me. But yeah. if if you do believe that some souls do go to hell, then what merits them uh, achieving that punishment? Is it is it the fact that they chose it? Is it the fact that God didn't choose them? Like what what gets you there? And you and you would say, including if annihilationism is true, like what gets them annihilated? <laughs> is that what you uh, mean too? In your terms, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I I really I don't think I don't subscribe to that. But uh, yeah, in in your terms, yeah, in your terms. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say that um, if if people are separated into heaven and hell, my guess would be that that the folks that are in hell had the option to choose self and, uh, you know, potentially even had some open doors to live outside of self, um, and to, you know, to choose to follow something else. I, you know, I, I, the, is it it following something else or is it following Jesus by name? Is it following love? The, the cosmic Christ, which is love Right. Or is it following Jesus by name? The Jesus Yahushua of Nazareth. Right. Yeah, I mean I've studied that whole thing as far as whether or not people need to hear the name of Jesus and, and to me I would say that's putting God in too much of a box. Yes. Because then because then we have to make the conclusion that oh yeah, um the only way for people to be able to accept Christ is for them to hear about Christ. Right. And then we have to assume that everybody's going to hear about Christ, and I think we could probably prove that that's not correct. Yeah. What do you What do you with Moses and Abraham and and David? You know, who were never acquainted with the name of of Yahushua. You know. Right. Like, uh, right. Yeah. Apparently, they were at Abraham's bosom, just kind of a hangout spot. Yeah. You know, until until Jesus of, could like you know about, yeah. pay the debt and all of that. And it, you know, it's it's these kind of questions that you're asking that I enjoy talking about and i think where i have mainly changed is i enjoy talking about them more because i don't feel pressure to figure it out because i honestly think that we can't and if someone wants to disagree with me that's fine but i can point to five different people that have studied their bible a hundred times more than you have and they all have five different explanations for the stuff that you're yes. talking about and so yes. that right there is proof that we can't figure it out and if we can figure it out we sure as hell don't know who did because yeah. there's you got the you got five different perspectives so how are we supposed to know who figured it out that's great oh, i love that i love that because i i was raised in the in the you know in the the bible belt of the south i was yeah. raised in kentucky and uh to me it was always a thing to where it was like, you know, uh, you're you're in Abraham's bosom, or or you're you're saved, or you're not saved. And there's no merit there. There's no yep. love there. There's no treating people how you want to be treated. I always go back to Matthew 25. I was hungry, you fed me. Right. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was naked, you gave me clothes. You know, like that to me is the ultimate example of if there. I'm not convinced there is a God of Joe. I'm going to tell you right right now. But if there is a God and he does pull a judgment day on us, then I feel like it's not about did you check the box that says I am a Christian. I feel like it's about what did you do to the people around you? How did you treat the people around you who in this narrative in Matthew 25 is Christ? Right. Yeah, I can see that. And yet uh, to me that – that uh i think that brings upon me somewhat of a fear from the standpoint mm-hmm. of oops then there then the gospel aspect of faith isn't really true how so um expand on that well j- just because it sounds like or 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 what the good news is supposedly is that 
Jesus lived a perfect life for us in our place. He also, you know, died with all of our sins and, and, you know, just the fact that God is wanting to forgive us. And if, if God is wanting to forgive us, then that means that there's not necessarily this, yeah, but you, you didn't do enough, you know, for your fellow man. So I'm not going to. So I understand that passage, but that's, that's also where I take some steps back and I'm like, okay, what, what? clearly is Jesus teaching here? Is he teaching, you know, about the afterlife? Is he teaching just how important it is to love one another? Yeah. Is is he saying that once we accept Christ and are changed internally, then the byproduct will be these things? And so yeah. that's evidence. You know, I just I just don't know. But I I would have a hard time making the shift of saying that's going to be the determining factor because I'll tell you this much, I do not love people enough. I do not do enough good for others. I am um, more selfish than I wish that I was. And so uh, I would hate the thought if there was kind of a grade book that, (laughs) you know, that that I'm not going to get a a passing grade. Right, right, right. And I... I love that perspective. Like that, that's refreshing to me to, to, to hear you say that. And, yeah. and I'll also say that um, me personally, I don't believe in a binary heaven hell in or out. Did you did you punch your ticket? Are you in or you right. know? Did you sign up or not? And it's fine if you do. You know that's that's just where I'm at. But yeah. I, I feel like to me that passage is talking about how to treat. Your fellow human. It's, it's a humanist passage. To me, Matthew 25 is a humanist scripture saying, right. you know, if Christ is anybody, Christ is everybody. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, but I hear you there to where it's like, oh, you 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 failed to to feed this this person who's hungry, so now you're you're cast into hell. I don't believe any, uh, I don't believe anybody gets cast into hell. And right. I, that's sacrilege. That's some fringe shit, whatever. But no, but you know, um, all good, man. But uh, I, I feel like it, it's it's a way to live your life that is more productive, that is more positive, that helps people. And if it helps people, it helps the archetype, the concept of Christ, the right. the uh, the cosmic Christ, as it were. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So where where are you still uh, in the annihilationist camp or where are you at? I'm in a I don't know camp, but yeah. I think God's going to be way more inclusive and loving than we can wrap our minds around. Well and said. I'm also in in the uh, non eternal conscious torment camp. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That that to me it just doesn't make sense it doesn't anymore. Make sense. Yeah. And and I could die and realize that I was wrong, but right now I'm just right. like, yeah, that that one just doesn't make any right. sense. And I think part of that is because I know how you know bad of a person I am, and I would never, ever think to do that throughout all eternity. Yeah, sure. That's when people jump in and say, yeah, but you know, God has a a, a higher level of justice and all that stuff. I'm like, right. yeah. He also has a higher level of love, of so mercy you know, what, and grace. Yeah. What are you trying? What are you trying to say here? Yes. So yes. You know, I feel like I've learned a lot as a father 
And sure, I I want justice. I want justice and love in my home. And so how that plays out is my kids know that I'm going to love them irregardless. Right. But if one of them is uh, treats their sister or brother unfairly, they are going to have to make up for it, whether it is through them. Uh, being disciplined or whether it's through them saying they're sorry or giving them the toy back or buying them a replacement or whatever it is. But my solution Mm. isn't go to timeout forever and I'm going to turn the heat on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's not going to be my solution. How did you get, how did you get to that mindset? Was it exclusively through like being a father or like did something else lead you up to, to realizing that as, as, as a conviction? I guess for me, I've always, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit that the concept of hell has been extremely crippling, extremely difficult, extremely scary for me uh, throughout the duration of pretty much my whole life. And so it's always been a hang up for me. Uh, You know, it went from me being me questioning why God would do that, why, you know, wouldn't it have just been better, God, for you not to have created anything then if, if you right. legitimately can't get these billions of people into a, a peaceful place? Yes. And so I think the curtain started to fall a little bit when I listened to Rethinking Hell oh, yes. uh, podcast. You you had him on your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I heard uh, I heard inerrantists, people that read yes. the Bible as God's word for word yep. instruction manual, basically. And I heard them reading it in the context of, oh, yeah, eternal conscious torment. Sorry, we've missed the boat. That's not true. And then I'm expecting, okay, well, they probably have this liberal perspective of God's word and they're probably twisting it and all. And then I'm like, what, wait a second. They're actually Mm. believing that God's word is perfect and holy. And they're explaining better explanations than I've ever heard for the passages on, you know, eternal damnation and all that. So that right there was an awakening from the standpoint of, holy crap. Like how I've, I missed this all this time, and right. so has the majority of evangelical Christians. Yes. And then you have a guy who would consider himself an evangelical Christian who is saying, no, you're wrong, right. and proving it. And I was yes. like, oh, my gosh, there's probably so much stuff that probably you know falls into the category of, I don't really know, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, how can we know? So that started the process of me being like, oh, okay, so there is another explanation for this that makes more sense and this guy is backing it up with scripture and then i think at that point i realized man i need to be careful how tightly i hold theology and how black and white i make it to be yes because i think i think people are kind of taught to have a systematic theology and to be able to cross their t's and dot their i's right and i like i like pete n's approach he's an author that wrote the book uh, sin of certainty oh yeah and i like that book because it basically says we're not supposed to be certain that's that just never has been how we were supposed to function and that makes a lot of sense to me that's great i feel like that kind of begs the question at least for me and upon like that episode where you interviewed um rethink what's his name from rethinking hell uh, Chris Date. Yeah, Chris, and, and your brother was on that episode too, right? Yep. Yeah. So for me, coming from hearing that episode 
and seeing how much you have personally um, adjusted your, or, or maybe your views have been adjusted for you, you know, mm-hmm. be it your choice or not. Um, where are you at right now as far as scripture goes? Like, uh, I guess one paradigm we could use is the, you know, inerrant versus, per, you know, personal perspective. Uh, or, or just mythology versus uh, archetypes. Like, where where do you lie? I'm not saying you have to commit to one or the other, but like right sure. right here, right now, where do you feel? Yeah. I think for me, I still have a belief in the supernatural interaction between God and the Bible, and I think that has just been a choice that the Creator has decided, hey, this is my word, and I'm going to interact with this. Yeah. I just think that we have we have taken too much of a lean towards using it as a, a rule book and an yeah. instruction manual, where not only culturally and historically did people not function that way in their writings— but, you know, also from the very standpoint of us reading poetic creation account as historical, yeah. Yeah. us not realizing the cultural implications and how that stuff came out uh, in, in the Word. And then just the, to me, just the very practical question of who told us to read it in like a super inerrant way? Right. Because Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says the the law and the prophets will never pass away. And then people point to that and they say, see, see, yes. see, every yes. yacht, every tittle, all that yes. stuff still counts. And I'm like, right. yeah, but what what does that mean? Does that mean that yeah. we're su- oh, supposed good. to read Genesis as a narrative that really happened in history? Or does it mean that there is very true, you know, meaning and all of that? So right. I... I am still trying to figure out how to approach God's word, but I'm finally able to do it with freedom and not fear because of my change of perspective and who our Heavenly Father is. That's great. That's beautiful. Um, Would you assert that certain certain segments or passages of Scripture are historical – 100%. 100%. W- would you, even if you suspect it, I'm not asking if you suspect it, I'm saying, would you assert that certain passages are historical? Yeah, I think I think Paul's narratives are true, like as far as the hundreds of people that witnessed Jesus, uh, the many people that were baptized. Uh, I think my, my guess is that Luke was probably a very gifted historian, and so I think that Acts and and the Gospel of Luke are are probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, I just don't need them to be perfect for them to be helpful for me. So yeah. uh, when people point to the contradictions in the Gospels and how they don't always mesh well uh, logically or logistically, that used to pose a significant problem for me yeah. because I, was, right. I thought, well, wait a second, if this was God's Word, it would be perfect. But then I am telling God how he needs to function. And so uh, that can't be the case. I do read a lot of the historical narratives in the New Testament as as events that really happened, happened, obviously, including the resurrection. But I'm okay with the fact that oral tradition was, you know, way more 
in abundance back then and was the traditional way. Sure. And the fact that they yeah. decided, oh, mm-hmm. wait a second, this is this is like truth that every human needs to hear about for um, millions of years to come, so to speak. Yeah. We need to write this stuff down. Right. And then writing all that stuff down, I mean, imagine, imagine you uh, getting the assignment of writing down like five years worth of history that happened 20 years ago. I mean, that would be very hard work. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I bet you if you talk to the right people and you uh, worked hard enough, you'd you'd probably be able to come out with something pretty close to the real thing. And so, you know, that that would be my guess. Um, But like Paul's teachings, for instance, I mean, I believe that he really did have a uh, road to Damascus uh, experience. And if so, then that would seem to me that, God's hand was on Paul uh, in a very significant way. So okay. all, all I do when it comes to Paul is I see him as the teacher and I see myself as a student. And yeah. I also know that there's no teachers that are uh, completely uh, perfect in all of their teachings and inerrant in, in everything they right. say. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. I have two questions for you. Yeah. One, um, how would it affect your not your faith, but your day to day life? How you interact with people? If for some reason, let's say God appeared to you in a vision or or, or in your waking life and told you that the historicity of the Bible and of the the resurrection itself was a metaphor and not not a literal event. How would that affect your life? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would have more questions. I would be like, okay, well then, what what does it represent? I mean, it it would definitely affect my life in yeah. the standpoint of, you know, I, I see the the cross and the resurrection as kind of a central piece in my belief system and kind of the lenses and in, in which I look through to see God. So. Yeah. It would definitely shake my foundations and okay. um, motivate me to figure out. Okay, well then, what what does it mean? But yeah. hopefully, he wouldn't just drop that bomb on me and, <laughs> and leave. <laughs> Good thing I'm not God, huh? Yeah, yeah. Right, there you go. So, so the historicity of it is imperative to your your worldview, to your the way that you interpret things. Yeah, just because. Um, if if that if that really did happen and Jesus really did exist and he really did make those claims that he made and yeah. he really did die and raise from the uh, rise from the grave then i would say that that's probably a pretty important thing for everyone given yeah. what he said and did but as as a narrative as a construct as a metaphor where where is the significance lost? I guess is what I'm asking. It doesn't oh, have gotcha. to be. Does it have to be an event that enabled other events historically to happen, or does it, or or could it be an archetype that leads us to understanding something deeper about human nature? I mean, I guess to answer your question, I'd have to I'd have to ask more questions like, okay, well, did Jesus really come? Is he in a grave somewhere? Like, yeah. what do you, what do you mean, like? Did Jesus come and teach and do miracles, and then when he crucified, that that was game over, and he got put in the tomb and never right. came out? 
or yeah. is Jesus's life and teachings um, yeah. made up as well? So right. it would depend on a lot of those factors. But I no, see. I mean, I, see. I think that uh, I think there's a chance. I mean, I, I am open to the fact, especially listening to people like Brian McLaren and yes. Paul Young and, yep. and these guys, I could see jesus dying on the cross and it being symbolic of something as well like just the the change the change of god's or or the change in how we are to view kingdom like you know the whole Mm. god's kingdom is, is not man's kingdom and jesus showed what god's kingdom was about by giving up and sacrificing his life and and showing us hey that's how we need to be also we don't need to be the aggressors we don't need to um do the old testament slaughtering like we actually lay our lives down for our fellow men that's gorgeous i love that i love that my only question is how how does that lose weight how does that lose significance if it is just not just but if it is a fable or if it is an archetype as opposed to being a historical fact like, can we not take as much weight out of that story if it is something that we are told as as a way to live our lives that didn't necessarily happen? Maybe parts of it happened. Maybe parts didn't. Like, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't see it happen. But it means so much to my life, and it right. doesn't bug me if it didn't happen or if it did happen. Like, the, it doesn't affect my life. I wasn't there, man. I didn't see that shit happen, you know? Right. So, I'm, I, I, my question, and this is this is very internalized. This is very selfish of me to ask this. But what I'm, what I'm asking is, um, whether or not that historically happened, how would that possibly take away the weight from the moral of the story or the, the, the lesson that you take away from it? Well... Hmm. I mean, for one, if you believe in a necessary atonement and you believe in the whole penal substitution, which means Jesus had to die for us to go into heaven, I mean, that debunks that altogether because if he didn't, um, but there's still significance in the story, that would mean to me that um, <laughs> there wasn't a necessary yeah. sacrifice. So, so you're a, a penal atonement guy? Uh, I no, I am a. I'm not sure if well, that's why Jesus had to die. Okay, but I, but I definitely believe that there is significance in uh in, in Jesus's death and resurrection. Yeah, I think the resurrection is to validate his claims of who he is. Okay, and yeah. um, if if the actual penal substitution wasn't necessary, then I, I uh, for the first time heard some pretty helpful explanations of of what they could be for yeah and one of them i just said as far as the kingdom and the example that he's given us yes but you know i've lived the majority of my life um believing in penal substitution yeah and i guess that's a tricky one too because it really doesn't deal super well um with with the Trinity because it seems like God and Jesus are on two different planets with how they want to operate and what they want to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what, what are those different motivations there with the, with the Trinity? Uh, different motivations for what? What do you mean? You're, you're talking about the, 
about God in three persons, you know, um, as being oh, gotcha. yeah, indis- yeah. you know, as being distinctive, maybe individually motivated actors. So what yeah. what are those motivations that, that that move each of them? Yeah, well, it seems like God kind of has his arms folded, saying, "Sorry, is, is God Father? I'm with- sorry, I'm sorry. Is God Father? Is that what you mean?" Yeah, 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 yeah God the Father. Okay, seems like he's kind of got his arms folded, and he's like, you know, sorry, can't can't come in here. You've got you know too much dirt. Now, yeah. if my son wants to die for you, then that's on him. He can do that. I'd right. love for you to come in, but I'm just not going to let you unless you do that. And then so yeah. Jesus steps in to appease his father. Yeah. It just just sounds I don't know doesn't sound right but uh yeah it sounds tritheistic it doesn't sound very monotheistic if there's right. that sort of a a conscious um uh you know disagreement between these three parties that does not sound like a a, a unified mind to me yeah 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 for sure yeah 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 but i've definitely have not um burn the bridges of penal substitution as much as I have of like eternal conscious torment. Like with, with the former, I'm still kind of like feeling it out and not sure what I believe. Whereas, uh, with the latter, I'm like, yeah, I just, I just don't believe that anymore. Right, right, right. So would you, uh, subscribe to the kind of textbook annihilationism to where you're, you're sent to hell you burn up for you know 0.7 seconds and then your soul ceases to exist just like it didn't exist before you were born or are you recycled or or what you know matter can't be created or destroyed does that mean that that spiritual matter can't be created or destroyed like what's going on there do you think yeah i mean if if that's if annihilationism is true then i would say uh god can god can destroy anything he wants to including okay. uh soul yeah so uh i don't i don't really have a whole lot of difficulty in conceptualizing of him just destroying something once and for all almost from a standpoint of wiping wiping its very history from the face of the earth you know just like mm. you you did not exist now i don't think that's the case wow. but if God wanted to do that, he could. So I don't know why he couldn't almost like, um, you know, wipe out someone's entire uh, existence. Their, you know, people may not even remember who they were. You know, I, I have no wow. idea. Wow. So oh, that's it, a trip. I've not heard of that take. That's a trip. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm just spitting. Then why? Then why do rem- why do we remember Hitler? Then, you know, what I'm saying? yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I think that. Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm I'm talking about in eternity. Like if. Oh, I see. If, I see. Like, I see. Throughout all, in you know, the, it, ah, it seems. Okay. It seems uh, like it would be it, from my human standpoint. Let's yeah. just say my wife never accepts Christ and she is annihilated. It seems like heaven would be pretty hard without her. You know. So. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. You know, but but. But these are the kind of things where I'm just like, there is just no way we can know. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, I've never been there. I've never been to heaven. Yeah. I'll tell you right yeah. now. I've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, um, 
we're we're creeping up on an hour. I don't want to keep you too long. Is there anything that that you want to ask me or anything you want to, you want to tell our our listeners here? Nah, man, it was a fun conversation. I think uh, I think we have uh, we've figured out together that there's no simple answers, and no. anyone who anyone who claims to have a sealed tight theology is full of shit. How about that? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there you go. Amen, brother. Hey, were you were you raised uh, Southern Baptist or of a uh, First House of God? Uh, I was Pentecostal. So, Pente- so First House of God. What's that? Assemblies of God. Assemblies of God and Church of God. Okay. So, in, the majority in Kentucky, of my Pente- in Kentucky, yeah. we we call them uh, First House of God because uh, you know the First Assembly of God. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, our, the church that I went to as a kid, they had a church baseball team, and it was First Assemblies of God. And they said, well, why don't we have a hat with our initials? And so they printed out the hats, but unfortunately the hats all said F-A-G. So <laughs> they had to get those things reprinted. <laughs> uh, and they they reprinted they They did, did the reprint as First Ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, dude! Thank you so much, Joey. You you yeah, really man. have shaped the way I think about things, and and I appreciate your time, man. I really do. I really Ooh, do. I don't know if that's a good thing, man, but I, <laughs> I don't believe in good things. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it's good talking to you. I uh, appreciate you letting me be on here. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you want to plug anything or tell us your Twitter? Uh it's at Joey Svenson and um, E N S S V E N D S E N. There you yes, go. There it is. There it is. Also, man, well, I will send you my audio. Yes, do it. All right. Good talking. All right, Bye. brother. Good talk. A post Christian production.